0: This is a Capricorn FM podcast. Now, today marks 43 years. That is the 43rd anniversary of Black Wednesday, when the apartheid government banned 19 black consciousness organisations and several anti-government newspapers, such as The World and The Weekend World, on 19 October 1977. A number of events were planned for today Uh, so we're looking at some of those but let's talk about issues around uh, media freedom and what this actually signifies 43 years later where are we around this are there new challenges that are different from those then you're talking about freeing the media and now are you talking about a different aspect of the media that those that says the media has its own internal challenges that it should look at but let's speak to matlatsi matlatsi from sanev she's the secretary general good evening matlatsi welcome to progressive talk
1: Good afternoon, Damola. Thank you for having
0: me. Good evening, indeed. Now, when we look at this, maybe let's start in the beginning and give background to Black Wednesday. How important is that? What is its significance?
1: It's quite a significant day in the media freedom calendar uh, because we remember that 43 years ago, the apartheid government tried to silence. Uh, the media at the time and silencing them because of the uh, job that they were doing of exposing the brutality of the apartheid regime. We know that several Black consciousness leaders, uh, including um, the editors and uh, the deputy editors of the World and the Weekend World at cluster and Mr. Corvoza were arrested uh, on this day. But we remember it now because... It is a reminder that uh, the section 16 of our constitution was hard won Mm. and people put their lives at risk to ensure that you and I can do the work that we do without fear or favour today, Mm. uh, protected by the country's constitution.
0: Are we doing the work without fear and favour today, would you say, Maslati? I think
1: we are. You know, uh, yes, uh, there are uh, aspects that we can improve on. I think that media credibility uh, is always an ongoing uh, conversation. And in the past years, you know, there have been a few reasons why the trust barometer between the yeah, has declined. But let's look at, for example, what's happening at state capture. Half of the stories that we're hearing coming out of the safe capture, it was the media that exposed it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are actually having the Commission of Inquiry now. Uh, Sorry, I'm trying to run away from my son. (laughs) Uh, We are having the... uh, You are very free. You
0: are very free in
1: there. We are having the commission of inquiry now because of the work of the media. Mm. Remember the ticket. I mean, we can even argue that the pressure on the ANC to end up... um, Uh, 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 releasing then-President Jacob Zuma early from Kenya was largely because of the work that the media had been doing. Uh, Relentless, uh, uncovering the rot of Mm. our country. And, you know, while we are shocked every now and again with some of the headlines, we know that that Bristol story was uncovered by the media Mm. uh, a few years back already.
0: All right, when we continue, we'll look at what are the challenges that the media is facing and issues around media ethics that some are raising. Progressive Talk. We're talking to the Secretary-General of Sanef, that is Mathatsi Mathatsi there. We're looking at uh, Black Wednesday. So Mathatsi, when we look at uh, the the media now, you know there was a time we are talking about the media tribunal and, and things like that. So there are those that are saying the media is also being weaponized for political gains for others, that it's getting involved in political issues and setting political agendas. So there are questions around media ethics. What is your take around that?
1: Uh, remember, at the South African National Editors Forum, uh, we actually felt that there were things that went horribly wrong. Mm. Uh, the media has had to also look at itself in terms of uh, what we are trying to recover from as a country, which is safe capture. And we launched uh, the Sun Credibility inquiry, which is led by Judge Kathleen Sackler. Uh, we were supposed to release it by because it's however, They have asked for an extension, and we are hoping in the next few weeks uh, we'll be releasing that. And part of it was that we expect others to be held accountable, and we hold them to account in the reports that we do. But as an industry as well, we need to hold ourselves uh, accountable. And that's why uh, that credibility inquiry was so critical. And part of it is so that they can make recommendations so that we can avoid... um, the things of the past, so to speak, because they were there. There's no uh, moving away from them. We know that publications like the Sunday Times have made major apologies uh, for the stories that they have read. And, and I think um, it just is a reminder that, you know, we have to continuously keep ourselves in check and review systems that we have in place and see where we need to strengthen where necessary. However, having said that, mm. I think that the fact that we are able to hold ourselves accountable uh, is another indication that you don't want the state to be involved in regulating the media because we have seen in many parts of our continent and indeed across the world, when the government it has that much power, what that uh, translates into. That means uh, you have journalist tales. Yes. You but have stories uh, not... Um, some stories not seen the light of day. Yeah. And basically a
0: government that can try and silence them. Yeah. But you and, and they're saying that we're able to hold ourselves accountable. But are we? Uh, there are journalists who would say they do, do not recognise SANAF. Of course, we've got the press ombudsman for other matters. But are we? When you look at it, of course, the credibility inquiry will tell us to what extent we still have our credibility as, 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 as the media. But if as a prominent journalist in the country... When you look at what you've seen, experience what you've seen in different newsrooms, I know you've been in different newsrooms as well. Uh, Do you think that we are able to successfully hold ourselves accountable?
1: So, yeah, I mean, I think just to clarify around the at least, is that so we are a volunteer organization. Yeah. Our main aim, obviously, is to push for the protection of media freedom so that people, journalists, can do their work uh, without being threatened. And yes, you know, there will be those that uh, view us in a different light. But I think what's more critical is the press council, mm. because that's an independent body. Because with Senate, you can't have editors basically um, uh, judging themselves, so to speak. But the press council is more independent and is more regulated. And I think it makes the, the important point is that we have seen the frustration of those uh, that want to actually uh, demand justice from media houses but are frustrated because the media houses are not part of the press council and they are finding themselves with no recourse. Mm. And, I, and I think the, the importance of the press council is best highlighted uh, there. I think um, the fact that you've got uh, Professor Anton Harbour's book that has come out now, yes. uh, is part of the process of holding ourselves uh, to account and the media being asked and even the public mm. also being able to vote what they are and things and you know i think there's so many aspects of how to hold the media accountable and yeah. part of it is that the the public also has so much power because if they don't believe what Ngamala is saying uh, mm. right now they've got the power to change that and you will see that in the audience numbers declining it's the newspaper you will see it when they actually do not go and buy that newspaper and i think that our democracy is so robust that we are able to have these conversations where I'm able to say to you, yes, this point where the media has gotten it wrong, and when we have gotten it wrong, we need to self-introspect and actually uh, commit to doing better to the public we
0: serve right and when you talk about credibility of the media of course the inquiry will give us a very good picture and uh, that would be uh, something to work is perhaps a slightly scientific basis to work from but from your observation do you believe the public still trusts the media
1: look i think um the barometer that we use indicates that the trust relationship between the media and the public has been declining but it's in Part not necessarily because of the work of the media. Mm. I think in South Africa, we have suffered from things like bell pottinger. And I'll use an example that we still have words like uh, uh WMC uh, uh, dominating our uh, uh, conversations because that has been, that was the power of the of campaign to try and discredit the media. Uh, and those campaigns are still continuing. You write about a politician and expose uh, that they've got their fingers in the cookie jar and what is the response that they make? This is strat- strat- call this is white monopoly capital at play and that's part of that disinformation campaign against the media and we must always ask ourselves, who benefits the most when the public doesn't trust the media it's usually the politician to us all even the private sector that is finding itself on the wrong side of the law and they are doing all that they can to try and weaken the media because that's their only escape route uh we have seen this Horrible at uh, disgusting attacks uh, on, especially female journalists on the Twitter feed. We have seen uh, when politicians uh, threaten journalists and try and create this chilling effect on reporters. And part of and part of that campaign is to try and silence the media. And you know they're not subtle ways, but they're very overt and very out there. Because when the public does not trust the media. Mm then uh, they sent benefit. But just to say, you know, one of the things that COVID-19 exposed for us is that the people turned to trusted media sources in the face of this pandemic. Our research that we did at summit I mean, we saw numbers grow explanation, whether it was on television, radio, or even online, Mm. which showed that people wanted to turn, people actually turned to trusted news sources in the face of a pandemic, in the face of not knowing, and that is quite critical, and that shows you that people still depend on uh, uh, traditional media sources for their information, for their credible information.
0: Thank you very much, Mathaladzee. Good evening to you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Good evening.